Welcome to Punta Vista, episode 107. I'm Andrew, and I'm here at the Talladega Super Speedway in Lincoln, Alabama. That's right. We're at the Geico 500, sponsored by Monster Energy Drink. (laughs) (laughs) Watching the cars go around here in the hot sun, extremely burned, deeply red, and holding two cups of beer is Ben. Hi, Ben. Hey. You know what? What? Um, I'm kind of reeling a little. Uh, just the knowledge that uh, the Talladega Super Speedway is in Alabama has completely changed my perception of the film Talladega Nights. Yeah, yeah. In I just way? in what way? I, I didn't. I didn't really get uh, Alabama vibes huh. from that film. And I, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel uh, I have a long hard think about this. That's what you're going to be pondering for the rest of the, I assume, 200 hours that this race goes for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wow. Heady stuff. Yeah. And uh, sitting on my other side with one of those funny hats that is also an umbrella. You know the ones. (laughs) Classic. She's thought a little harder about her son's safetude um, due to her many years as a goth. It's Lucy. Oh, boy. It's me. (laughs) Is this a paid partnership now? Are we partnered with Monster Energy? God, I wish. That would be Imagine. amazing. Theo couldn't drink it uh, because of his heart. Um, <laughs> I feel like Lucy is a gamer. You're never that far away from developing like a huge monster energy habit. I, there is a good monster energy drink. I will say that. I don't think that. that's true. That's, Which one? Oh. I don't know if they have it in Australia. There's like a no carb one, but for some it's- reason it's delicious. Is it the white can? It's the white can. I feel like I keep seeing pictures of Americans very non-ironically drinking yeah. the white can That's of Monster really Energy good. Drink. That's really good. I don't know if what the pattern is here, but the Zero Carb Red Bull, also not also a terrible... Good? It's like the wow. least bad tasting of all of them. Do you mean the, the sugar-free one, or is this different? That's different. So there's the sugar-free oh. one, which is the weird kind of uh, sickly pale blue on the can and then there's the zero carb one which was a much flatter blue than the regular can it's the darkest of the trio interesting because mm. i will defend sugar-free red bull i'm sure you um, would because fine. well it it just of, of all of the like sugar-free slash diet things most of which are generally very abysmal um the only difference between that and say like like i i drank some like no sugar coke yesterday Mm. Whatever the fucking terrible name is. Coke, no sugar, just rolls off the tongue. Is that um, not Coke Zero? No, well, that, now there's there's Coke, there's Diet Coke, there's Coke Zero, and there is Coke, no sugar. What the <laughs> fuck? What that's is the, the one, zero that's the one in Coke? What's the zero element of Coke Zero? I thought it, it was zero, zero sugar? sugar. Yes, it is. But um, the problem is that <laughs> Coke Zero has essentially become, I believe, the, the Pepsi Max of the Coke family. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's meant to be zero sugar, maximum taste, but everyone's like, this this tastes weird and not like the other things. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I I was having lunch with my parents yesterday, and my mum was like, hey, there's a bottle of um, Coke no sugar in the fridge. I don't want that shit. Can someone else please drink it? <laughs> I don't know how she how she wound up with it. Possibly the deceptive branding. Um, but yeah, I, I drank a glass of it, and I was like, mm, it's like Coke, but someone's just taken that good edge off it. It's like Coke, but not so enjoyable. Ah. It's about the difference. But by comparison to all those other things, a sugar-free Red Bull is a Red Bull with like the sickly sweet uh, edge taken off it. Which if you're just trying to, you know, if you're just just driving a truck all night, as I frequently am, obviously, and you're trying to pound some Red Bulls, uh, they're really fucking sweet. They're like painfully sweet. Yeah. Just get the monster. I urge everyone to get the white monster can. Do you know what the flavor is? Can you tell us what the flavor is? I wouldn't have any idea how to describe it. (laughs) No, no. I mean, like, what's it actually called? What is it? What is the name on the label? I think it's just called, like, low carb. I don't know if it has a name. It's got a name. I'll get back to you on this. So, here we are, sponsored by Monster Energy Drink, um, with a long, long diatribe. (laughs) Apparently, there's a whole bunch of... monster can. A whole bunch of low carb. Uh, Monster Energy Zero Ultra. 
And that is the flavor. It is zero ultra flavor. Oh, zero I love, ultra. I love Sounds, when I drink. That's like a fucking one of those hushed up 1970s CIA programs where they gave <laughs> uh, psychedelics to people that they had at black sites. Pretty much. Zero ultra. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah. I mean, who doesn't love to, to just taste or smell something and be taken back to their childhood? When their mother would put a zero ultra pie on the windowsill. <laughs> oh, I'd love to be out in the fields just picking picking zero ultra straight off the bushes and mm. eating it. Mm. Love those delicious natural flavors. Oh, geez, everybody. Well, I, I don't know where to go from being at the Geico 500. And I don't know how to segue away from here. Um, oh, I've got it. I've got it. Um... Oh, no, I don't know which direction they drive. I should just look at the field that we're actually definitely at. Um, but let's say... Uh, which which way do they go around the track, do you think, Ben? Clockwise or counterclockwise? Oh. Oh, I don't I reckon, know. I reckon it's counterclockwise, right? I reckon it's clockwise. Oh, God damn. Wait, hang okay. on. Which Americans drive on the... They're on the left-hand side of the car. Mm-hmm. Which side would you want to be on... For turning purposes. Uh, well, they're not really turning. They're just driving in one big yeah, gentle circle. Well, you can't do a circle without turning. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like they ever take a turn. <laughs> like, no one ever, like, puts on the indicator and slows down. It's not that kind of race. You Look, know? I'm, I'm going to say they're going... Uh, I think you're right. I think it is counterclockwise. Hmm. Almost like one big left turn. I'll tell you who's taking a big... Right turn. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, thank you for helping me get there. Thank you so for helping sorry. me work. <laughs> thank you for helping me painfully work towards that. Real coin flip of how that could have gone. <laughs> Just kicking and screaming towards that segue. Taking a big right turn over at our friends at the ABC. Um, let's just have a big shout out to Ida Buttrose for her new editorial leadership. Because, as we all know, she was appointed as the new chair of the ABC. Um, Um, Can I just say, uh, Ida Butt Rose once. It tasted horrible. (laughs) 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 Sounds a little too too close to Rosebud to me, which makes me shudder. Oh, don't. Let's... Moving on. Mm, No Googling that one, folks. Um, So, really puts a different... Different spin on Citizen Kane. Um, so anyway, over at the ABC, Ida Bartros has has been appointed because, as we all know, um, basically the conservative government is always having a great big culture war fit about what they see as, as the ABC's left-leaning bias because they do things like say, this is what the government is currently doing. You can't do that. You can't do that on TV. That's biased. Just up and say it. So, um, so you know, they're they're forced into a lot of classic editorial balance, which I think is most most frequently manifested on their um, is it Sunday night TV show Q and A, which seems to have lost any and all semblance of being like an actual kind of panel show, and has just turned into like bad, bad electoral gladiator contest between the just the shittest people they can find it's not good like it, it it does seem like that though doesn't it that they've they've pretty much gone what's who who could we get on here that's going to make people the maddest it definitely seems to be an element of that and i don't i don't know i didn't it's been shit the time in the time being that i've had to like watch it for work which is like now like three and a half years it's been fucking horrible, uh, and I don't know if it was not as horrible before that. It's just not good. It's just very confrontational in a way that is not at all productive. People really, you can see, try and prepare like good single sentence sound bites months in advance, so they'll like drop out these things that sound like a burn, but they don't quite fit the situation. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a but very frustrating thing on. to do. Uh, so now I just don't watch it. Uh, and then don't write about it and then hope that work never brings it up with me even though I'm supposed to. That's the ideal situation, really, isn't it? Mm. Hmm. So, um, 
in the classic mold of having some balance, uh, I saw an article go up yesterday on ABC News on the website uh, titled, The Alt-Right Has Been Under the Media Spotlight, But Should We Be Concerned About the, scare quotes, Alt-Left? No. And there we go. Done. I love a question. Like, I love an article that opens as a question uh, and then pretty much proceeds through the entire article to just give you variations on saying, I didn't need to write this article. (laughs) Uh, For example, you know how the ABC now has like a little, they've got a little um, box pulled out that has like the key points of the thing in case you're just way too busy to read a 200 word article or whatever. You can skim the bullet points and say, now I've read it. Um, So they have their one on the top, uh, three bullet points. The term alt-left was popularized by Donald Trump after the 2017 rally in Charlottesville. So great good faith origins of the term to begin with. Uh, Two militant far-left groups have gained traction in the US since Mr. Trump was elected. And number three, experts say far-right movements are more likely to use violence to achieve their aims. Hmm. Wonder if, wonder if there's a reason that they're considered more likely to use violence. Is it anything to do with all of the recorded instances of violence and murder hmm. and mass killings uh, that all happen under the auspices of one ideology? Who could say? So anyway, it kicks off with the rise of the alt-right has been one of the defining political moments of the past decade. Movements, sorry. They're very similar words. But comparatively lesser known is its supposed counterpart, Uh. the (laughs) alt-left. Straight away, we are on shaky ground in the first sentence. The alt-right have been called many things. Neo-Nazis, racist, fascist, beliefs which are seen as a departure from mainstream values. Probably not enough departure of a departure. Departure from mainstream values. That is an incredible way to phrase that. And seen as. Mm. <laughs> seen as those things. The only, the the really depressing only way that that sentence makes sense is to just admit that like um, how much more, uh, how much more of a, of a real and defining undercurrent of most Western politics white supremacy is. Mm. Um So, you know, some people think that it's not actually what lots of people believe. The movement has also been placed under the media spotlight due to the extreme views it expresses in internet forum echo chambers and its role in spurring incidents, including the Christchurch shootings, which has taken much of the focus away from a discussion of the extreme opposite end of the political spectrum. Isn't it weird that... um, It's weird that you would talk about the thing that's happening rather than the thing that isn't (laughs) happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, how how weird that all of the mass killings done by neo-Nazis are the only thing. People refuse to talk about, like, um, what if maybe someone on the left did that, even though they didn't. It's just, like, again, we're, we're only, th- like, three sentences into this piece. Um, we're already like, hey, how come nobody's talking about the thing that's not happening? Uh, President Donald Trump helped popularize the term alt-left after the 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville where he blamed the violence from people on both sides. You had a group on one side that was bad and you had a group on the other side that was very violent and nobody wants to say it, but I will, Mr. Trump told reporters. What about the alt-left that came charging at the, as you say, the alt-right? Do they have any semblance of guilt? Hard to believe he used the word semblance. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Completely agree. Unlike the far right and the alt right, the far left do not call or associate themselves with the term alt left. I wonder if that's because it's not a thing. Maybe. Also, I would dispute that anybody calls themselves alt right. Like, yeah, uh, there are. I mean, it was originally a self-identifying term, like before the media picked up with it, and then they all started being like, "How dare you call us this?" But it was started as a, like a positive identification. They were trying to rebrand themselves as a an alternative to traditional conservatism. Yeah, but I feel like it. I feel like it immediately, like almost immediately, became like emo. You know, nobody calls themselves <laughs> emo, but they are. You know, you're emo. Yes, yeah. Lucy, you know you're emo. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know you are, everybody else knows you are, but you don't call yourself that and everybody else has started using it as a pejorative, mm-hmm. you know? That's yeah. right. That's it. The emos of the political world, the alt-right. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 th- I think it almost immediately became that where... Because, like, we, we all know that so much of the far-right grift these days is all about, like, plausible deniability mm-hmm. and seeing how much you can, like, walk up to the edge of something before then saying, oh, that's not what I meant and that's not what we're all about. And, I mean, you've only got to look at people like, I guess, former Proud Boys leader Gavin McInnes, like, the moment that it finally crossed over into into the mainstream that, that that group were a bunch of violent thugs. He was like, oh, I'm not their leader anymore. That's not what we're all about, even though there's thousands of hours of footage of me, like, braying proudly about how awesome it is to go and deliberately get into fights and starting violence is, like, one of the rites of passage for getting into the group and all that sort of shit. Um, yeah, it just seems like a, a, a huge part of all of these movements is doing exactly these things right until the point that the public goes, Hey, what's this group all about? And then they say, Oh no, 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 I'm not in that group. I'm not in that one. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, so the left, however, also have a history of violence and the prospect of a militant left actively fighting its ideological opposite is not far removed from history. The revolutionary armed forces of Colombia. Shining Path and the 19th of April movement were involved in bloody conflicts in South America in the 1970s. So not far removed, just about 50 years. Only 50 (laughs) years and only in a different part of the world and only in a completely different situation. So temporally, geographically, politically removed, but not far. Not too far. A stone's throw, if you will. Hmm. While the Red Army faction carried out a series of terrorist attacks in the 1970s and remained active for more than 20 years. So again, nothing, nothing remotely comparable to what is actually happening in contemporary society at this moment. Uh, so that's cool. The old recent far left of the 1970s. Um, however... Whether we'll see the resurgence of a military far left to counter the rising far right remains to be seen. Cool. So what fucking there isn't one. tremendous insights you have provided with this article. Wonderful. So we've gone from we've gone from uh, how come nobody's talking about this to there was something kind of like this but not really fifty years ago to there isn't this um, in the space of several paragraphs. Uh, so then we get a little bit into the term alt-right, an abbreviation of alternative right, is claimed to have been coined by American white supremacist Richard Spencer. Very brave of them to call him a white supremacist. Good on him. While the term is ill-defined, it's commonly associated with anti-feminism and a belief in xenophobic nationalistic politics, including anti-immigration policies. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Mr. Spencer is an advocate of peaceful ethnic cleansing of non-white Americans, but claims he is not a neo-Nazi. The term alt-left is arguably even more contested. But a study by the European University Institute published in February debunked the theory that the term is used to describe movements opposing the alt-right. Based on an analysis of social media content and more than a million online forums connected to both sides, the study concluded that the alt-left is an artificial construct by Mr. Trump's supporters in an attempt to create an equal counterpart to the alt-right. Again, why... Why did this get written and put on our website? Um, we got to do something to fill in the time, I guess. How how have we like? How do we get from? Should we be concerned about the alt left? To as we get down, we are getting further and further away from the concept even existing, all the way down to. A study of a million forums and all these people have identified it clearly as an artificial construct, completely fabricated by the people that you're taking the attention off by writing this article. Are we going to talk about milkshakes? <laughs> concrete <laughs> Dead- milkshakes? Concrete Deadly milkshakes. concrete milkshakes. Well, um, I like this, though. Steve Fuller, professor, professor 
in social epistemology at the University of Warwick in England told the ABC that the term has been used pejoratively by alt-right members against Antifa, particularly through far-right media organisations like Breitbart. So again, completely created and only propagated by the alt-right movement itself. He said, while the alt-left have been styled as social justice warriors, a characterization that captures some visible and vocal members of the left, it was not fully representative of who they are. The, he says, the alt-right wants the alt-left to appear as socially dysfunctional, he said, adding that the construction of the alt-left is designed to deflect attention from the alt-right's violence. Huh. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, this, this personally is, is the end of the thing and my favorite part of it. While the far left is not as prominent as the alt-right, or, you know, barely existent, as we're establishing here, Mr. Fuller said it has also sometimes been responsible for aggressive and violent behavior, especially in the form of censorship, including the no-platforming campaign, which is seen as a type of, quote-unquote, symbolic violence. Oh, boy. <laughs> Fuck that. <this. laughs> what the Fuck. What? That's just like killing people, you know? It's the same thing. It's very much the same. Uh, symbolic violence, running someone over with your car and killing them. These are the same thing to me. Asking uh, companies to stop advertising on um, Tucker Carlson's show. Uh, going into a synagogue and killing like two dozen people. Pretty much the same. I think symbolic. we can all agree. Mm-hmm. My God. So, congratulations to the ABC on publishing that. Um, great stuff. You love to see it. That's true. That's true. You do love to see it. Love to know that's where your taxpayer dollars is going. Um, I, yeah, I just love this whole thing of, of them getting, like, bullied by conservatives all the time into doing exactly this type of shit. And the problem is that, like, who who does that make happy? Who... Who's, Who's the audience read that for this? Piece? Who's read that piece and gone, sweet. Great. I'm glad this got published. Uh, you got right-wingers who read it and go, oh, finally, finally, they're taking them on. And then as they go down it and sentence after sentence, it says, ah, oh, it's not really a thing. It's pretty much just made up by right-wingers uh, to deflect from the fact that it's them doing all the killing of people. Um, and then you've got left-wingers who read it and go, why the fuck did, did you even bother publishing this? It poses a question in the headline and every sentence of the thing is saying, oh, there wasn't really a reason to write this. It's centrists. They fucking loved this. They just went, oh, I just, oh, I just heard both sides. Ooh. Delightful. That's my kink. That's my thing. I love when I hear both sides. But every now and then, Ben, there's a little victory. There's a little victory in the world, you know? You're absolutely right. Would you like to describe one to us henceforth? I, so this is huge and I, it's crazy that I didn't see this take off more, but um, a boomer labor Twitter broken had a victory in the courts against Malcolm Roberts. And that's Can never just- happened before. They've never done anything. Uh, so, I, I, to me, this is genuinely, um, this is amazing. Uh, I don't know how I missed that this week either. So, this happened, uh, this is reported uh, on Friday by 10 Daily. The headline is, uh, Malcolm Roberts successfully sued for being a dual citizen in Parliament. Now, hold on a second, because two things. Number yes. one, I would like to say this is written by a uh, friend of the show, 10 Daily senior news reporter Josh Butler. Handsome, in his, beautiful Josh Butler. Oh, in his updated headshot on 10 Daily, it has the beautiful long hair that he's clearly been growing for a long time. And he looks oh, amazing. It's an incredible picture. Love it. I have been pestering him on Twitter to update his other photos <laughs> to be the same, and he refuses to do it. He refuses to do it, but um, looking great. If you click oh. on that headshot, you'll get a slightly larger version. He's you also... Just, I don't want to spend too much time on his headshot, but... Uh, the way he has sort of posed his head has a very, like, 1980s European model oh, look about cool. him. He's looking at the camera in a sort of, here I am, drink me in kind of way. Piercing blue eyes. Oh. Uh, 
you know, just great stuff. You love to see it. <laughs> I, I've zoomed right in on it in my you browser. Love to see it. And I'm having so, a great time. So, folks, if you do want to get on Twitter, twitter.com slash Josh Butler, you can see the very, very out of date, um, very, very out of date headshot that he has there. Um, there's a link in his bio to his page on 10 Daily where you can see the up to date one. Please feel free to uh, tweet at him and say, hey, let's get that long head headshot going in here because it looks good. Uh, and thing number two, Ben, yes. is could you could you please, if you could, give a give an extremely brief explanation of the term uh, labor brokens to our non-Australian audience? Um, it's, so it's, I think, <clears throat> as anyone will have seen, uh, particularly Americans will have seen a lot of this, so it's people that ostensibly maybe share similar politics to you. You know, they vote for whatever the majority left party is in your country. Uh, they're probably a little bit on the older side. They're not a hundred percent Twitter literate or computer literate. Uh, they really love hashtags over here in Australia. They love hashtag Ozpol, which nice. is how you make sure the dumbest people alive see your political takes and uh, interact with them. Uh, they love picking the single worst thing uh, to be the joke they have in their little their username or whatever. So, you know, in America, that would be your Drumps, your Kafifis, mm-hmm. your, you know, whatever. Over here, it's your Dame Sir Fright Bats. Yep. Your um, uh, making fun of the the sovereign citizen grammar style. Um. What are the other ones they use? They've got like oh the well now that Malcolm Turnbull's gone they don't do the uh, the top hat emoji anymore that's gone. Uh, but just the worst sort of like jokes that aren't really jokes, sort of public domain jokes about politics that are four or five years old. They generally have those badly badly done uh, photo memes, you know, bad, yep, extremely but- badly done image macros with like several layers of different fonts and like sequential cascading um, JPEG compression mm-hmm. just destroying your eyes when you look at it. Uh, they love uh, retweeting things that aren't true at all. Uh, <laughs> they love being armchair constitutional law experts. Uh, it's sort of, they're basically, they're exactly what right-wing boomers are, but on the left. Now, this is a true... Uh, both sides issue to me. I think maybe, obviously, the Labour Brokens are better because they're not sharing uh, things that are meant to start a race war. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not... They're a strange breed. But anyway, one of their... This story is about one of their kings, I believe, uh, who I, who has been booted off Twitter. It's a man named Tony Magrathea, uh, which, if that name is familiar to you, you probably spent a little bit too much time on Australian Twitter, but uh, this is not about who he is. Uh, it's about what he did, which is that he successfully sued Malcolm Roberts, um, just a real turd of a man, for 6,000 buckaroos. <laughs> and they did this under a little thing called the Common Informers Brackets Parliamentary Disqualifications Act. Uh, which, according to our friend Josh, is a little-used piece of law which gives recourse to ordinary citizens to sue politicians who are not eligible to sit in Parliament. The Act outlines that any federal member declared by the Constitution to be incapable of so sitting shall be liable to pay any person who sues for it in the High Court. Which, Damn. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like I want some cash, but that's fine. Uh, it sets out that the member should pay 200 in total for their in- ineligibility before the suit is served and another $200 for every day subsequent to that day on which he or she is proved in the suit to have sat. Uh, so he filed a suit on September 28th, 2017, a month before the High Court ruled him ineligible. Uh, and then two years later, on June 14th this year, the court ordered Roberts to pay uh, Magrathia a total of $6,000, uh, an initial 200 plus 200 for each day of the 29 days between the suit being filed and Roberts being ruled ineligible. So he got in before he was actually ruled ineligible and said, hey, motherfucker, 
Uh, get on out of there. This is like the true get-rich-quick scheme that we've all been waiting for. You just have to anticipate that someone is going to get kicked out of Parliament. Uh, so really, all of us should have been making huge bank off Rod Cullerton. Mm. Um, missed opportunity there. Uh, Friend of the show, bumbling nitwit Rod Cullerton. Still going, uh, but not in Parliament. Um, Magrathia told 10 Daily he had contacted several politicians with concerns about dual citizenship as early as 2014 and attempted to alert Malcolm Roberts to his potential British citizenship in 2016. The High Court's chronology of the Roberts case lists that on August 7th, 2016, Magrathia had sent a Facebook message to the Senator's wife (laughs) (laughs) with his concerns about Roberts' citizenship. I wrote to him saying, make sure you've got rid of your British citizenship. He ignored and blocked me on social media. (laughs) Uh, what, were you trying to help him or what? That seems weird, doesn't it? Uh, Magrathia later retained the services of a solicitor and then Sunshine Coast barrister Clem Van de Wiegen, a one-time candidate for Clive Palmer's Palmer United Party in 2013. Uh, but yeah, he, he did it. He really did it. He, he sent a letter to the Red Skull's wife. <laughs> uh, and now he's got a sweet, sweet, Six G's uh, to spend on mugs that say um, the the uh, <laughs> shit. Come on, Liberal Party. Um, <laughs> squib- the, the Liberals. The, the Squibral party. party. Got him. Yeah, cool. Liberals. Yeah, Lucy, that's a good one. Lucy, help us out here. What do you got? I've got nothing. What's a bad bad boomer? Didn't where? they used to have one on like liberal, like a pun? I thought, I, I thought it was liberal. I mean, liberal I is very liberal. them areas. Mm. Uh, the mm, no, I guess we we just don't have what it takes to be a part of this movement. I think. Can any of us sue him? Oh, Can geez. we just go sue him for the same thing and get? No, you had to have told him beforehand. Uh, so we would have to go back in time. And I don't know about you guys, but if I was going to go back in time, I'd kill Hitler. That's definitely what I would do with my time, but that's just I me. would dome the Fuhrer of the Third Reich uh, with an old-timey gun. And I I'd would say... With uh, a Luger, maybe? Yep. A, one of them, one of the Lugers, I'd... Straight through his skull. And I'd say something really cool to him, like, uh, Hey, Fritz. Hey, like these apples. Bam! <laughs> And then I'd pull out a samurai sword and uh, the rest of the Nazi high command. I'm talking uh, Goring, uh, uh, Himmler, uh, um, Rommel, all of them. Whoosh, whoosh. I'm cutting their heads off, but uh, I'm like ducking it's, under it's the blood going spray. Through like hot butter. Yeah. And then all He's the guards come man. in, and then I chuck the sword down, and I pull out uh, two Uzis that I brought with me from the future, <laughs> and I've got my Uzis akimbo, and I'm spraying them around. Um, and then I throw a grenade uh, and it into the uh, Hitler's stockpile of weapons, and I jump out the window, and I say, smell you later, and it all <laughs> blows up, and then everyone's carrying me around on their shoulders, because I stopped all the bad stuff from happening. It seems like uh, a lot of bad stuff would have already happened at that point, if that's when you get I into. feel like I might have time-traveled slightly too late now that I think about it. I probably should have... Uh, Did you coordinate this just to make yourself look really cool? Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I look cool doing that, but if you think that I look cool, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. I should probably maybe go back to when he was like a teen and I would um, break his I would, legs. I would save everybody by time-traveling back and just um, like sending a telegram... To, to Eva Braun and saying, hey, I'm thinking this Hitler guy is ineligible. Um, and then he gets disqualified from being like high chancellor or whatever. Yep. And everybody's like, damn, look at that guy who is, a, is an armchair constitutional law expert and had the, the foresight. He hasn't renounced his Austrian citizenship. That's right. That's right. That's, a, that's how you get him. That's how you get him. Oh, dear. So uh, there you go, folks. Just proving once and for all that constantly badgering public officials by sending them and their immediate family members uh, DMs online is not a waste of time. That no. is, in fact, activism. Email Making... someone's wife. Yeah. Do Email someone's wife today. Mm-mm. I will be the first to admit this. Um, making 
Malcolm Roberts part with $6,000 is incredible praxis. Yes, that's true. I think, um, well, I suppose what's what's most relevant to note about this is that it's like such a perfect encapsulation of this boomer mindset because you know that this guy is going to be crowing about this for the rest of his life. It's going to be in his Twitter bio. It's going to mm-hmm. say, um, you know, won a court case against Malcolm Roberts on July 2019. Um, but in terms of the actual effect that it had on anything other than Malcolm Roberts having to give this guy some of his, like, sick pension or whatever. Nothing at all. Didn't change the fact that he got in. Didn't change the fact that he uh, got to run, any of that sort of stuff. Uh, but, but hey, he got a little bit of a top-up in the bank account. And that's what real action that's is. That's praxis. It's still good, though. we got to give him credit. You gotta give him credit for taking. Lucy, could you just like do us a solid, maybe say practice with a little bit of vocal fry on it? Is that certainly like- not? <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, um, from from the dizzying highs of boomers, um, just getting one over on Malcolm Roberts, to the dizzying highs of being too high up on something that you shouldn't be. It's. It's the world of boomers continuing to be really shitty. I'm assuming that a lot of these people are going to be boomers. So, um, a, a long-standing thing in Australian culture now has been the the debate around people climbing Uluru. Um, Uluru, formerly known as Ayers Rock in the middle they of the country. They still call it that here. I'm trying to tell people that you shouldn't call it that. <laughs> Please stop calling it Ayers Rock. Um, it is a site with enormous signif- uh, spiritual significance to the to the indigenous people here, and like, so so for decades now, there's been like a sign up that says, "Hey, please don't climb this." Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that I read a thing years ago that was talking about how like you know, well, why don't why don't the owners of the land just like put a put a great big fence up around the thing you know why don't they wall it off build the wall build the because that's the white people's solution to this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and the answer was that as as part of the beliefs of of you know these particular people it was like well you're supposed to just kind of tell people what the right thing to do is and then they're meant to do the right thing you can't you can't just force everybody to do the right thing you're meant to have a system of what is right and wrong and people are meant to do the right thing because they know that it's the right thing. So if we are to like say to you, hey, uh, in keeping with our spiritual beliefs about this thing that is incredibly and deeply important to us, we've asked you not to do it, you would maybe think that some of those people would go, oh, okay, I, I won't climb up on this thing. Um, but apparently that makes uh, absolutely no difference. In fact... I would say it probably has the opposite effect of turning people into even bigger pieces of shit absolutely determined mm-hmm. to climb up on it. So I think um, there's, they've, they've finally announced that they're going to permanently close the ability for tourists to climb Uluru. Um, I'm, just, I'm reading now from an article on news.com.au. Uh, Natalie Wolf, Uluru October closure creates new headache. Uh, it's three months until the climb up Uluru is closed for good, an overwhelmingly praised move that Aboriginal traditional owners have been waiting on for decades. But there's still a long way to go before Uluru. What? God damn it. Hmm? This is what happens when you fire all the sub-editors in the country. <laughs> there's still a long way to go before Uluru, all signs of the climb are dismantled, and the monolith is returned to its original and natural appearance. Terrible. A chain hold was added in 1964 and extended in 1976 to make the hour-long climb up the steep cliff easier for tourists. The chain hold was secured with 138 steel posts drilled 30 centimeters down into the rock face and secured with concrete and epoxy resin. (sighs) The posts have survived storms, wind, and sweltering conditions for more than 50 years, and removing them is going to be a sensitive nightmare. 
The mammoth job, ad- advertised by Parks Australia earlier this year, came with plenty of warnings. Contractors were cautioned on difficulties with going to the toilet, working in the Northern Territory's sweltering conditions, and access to drinking water. Um, in tender documents, the government agency warned there was no power or portable water on Uluru work sites. I think that they probably mean potable water. We've got probably. portable water here. Portable no. water. Portable. Most, most water is portable. <laughs> it certainly is. Not for Theo. The rock has been scarred with painted guidelines and arrows stretching up the entirety of Uluru. The monolith also has four designated helicopter landing pads. Three wow. of which are big enough to move equipment. I did not know that. That's cool. God damn. In October, all of it will begin to go. In a job, Parks Australia estimates will be finished by January 2020. Uh, in a tender submitted to the Director of Parks Australia earlier this year, the government agency gave contractors a brief insight into what would be required of them if they would take on the difficult job. Blah, 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 blah. you got to take all this stuff out. Now, the problem is um, that people are big pieces of shit. In November 2017, the Uluru-Kata-Juta National Park Board started the countdown of when the climb would be closed permanently. The date of October 26, 2019 was put forward, a significant day for the Indigenous community because it was that day in 1985 that the government returned ownership of the land to the traditional owners. But since setting the date, the number of people climbing Uluru has skyrocketed. Before park management announced it was closing the climb, around 140 people were climbing Uluru each day. Since then, the number has doubled and at times tripled to 300 to 500 daily visitors. On Wednesday, a photo taken at the base of Uluru went viral after it showed hordes of tourists snaking up the rock face. (sighs) The traditional landowners say tourists are leaving rubbish bins overflowing, illegally dumping human waste from caravans along the roadside and have made the National Park the busiest they've seen it. There's cars parked for one kilometre on either side of the road leading up to the car park at the base, an unnamed photographer who told the ABC. Traditional landowners are devastated by the masses rushing to climb Uluru before the cut-off date, despite it long being common knowledge that the act is deeply offensive. It makes me sick looking at this photo at the disrespect and disregard shown for the traditional owner's wishes, a spokesperson from the Drug Custodian Aboriginal Corporation said. Not only do people climb it, but they defecate, urinate, and discard nappies and rubbish on it. I, for one, cannot wait for the climb to be permanently closed and our sacred law, culture, and traditions to be acknowledged and respected. A sign sits at the base of the climb, imploring visitors to reconsider their need to scale the rock. We, the traditional owners, have this to say, the sign says. The climb is not prohibited, but we ask you to respect our law and culture by not climbing Uluru. We have a responsibility to teach and safeguard visitors to our land. The climb can be dangerous. Too many people have died while attempting to climb Uluru. At least 30 people, 35 people have died while attempting to climb Uluru. Owned. And many <laughs> others have been injured. What the fuck is wrong with people? That do photo. Do you really need to do this? Like, can you just not? Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand what is so impossible for people to, like how it is so hard for people to to like translate this from one thing to another it's like oh they got a big sign up at the vatican that says please don't do parkour over the pews it's very (laughs) offensive it's like oh i think i'm gonna do it i think i'm just gonna do it anyway i'm just gonna do it it's like one thing it's it's probably not even that much fun to climb really please Please do not drop a deuce in the Sistine Chapel. It's like, yeah, but I gotta go. <laughs> well, I gotta go, and it's like it's not my church. I don't yeah, I just I cannot even figure out what it is like. And again, it's been known for so long, and again, the reason that they are closing it is because it's so fucked up to do. And it just prompts more people to come and do it. And it's like like, it's, it's very difficult to not take it in any other way as people saying, oh, well, well, while it's still, you know, my, my right to do it, I'm going to come and do it and in your face if you don't like it. Like, e- even, if, even if you were like, oh, but it's such a deeply amazing place and I have to go and do it before they close it. It's like, well, why do you think it's amazing? Why do you think yeah, it's what's a- so special about it? What's so deeply amazing and significant about this thing? 
that you that you absolutely have to come and see it and climb over it before they close it. Mm. Anyways, don't do that. Please, Please don't, don't do that. I was saying to Ben, it, it makes me think of that um that photo that was doing the rounds a couple of weeks ago of like a massive queue snaking down Mount Everest of people like waiting in line to summit it. It's just the most depressing shit. Mm. Truly, we uh, paved paradise and put up a parking lot. We certainly <sighs> did. <laughs> uh, thank you, Vanessa Carlton. Yeah. Um, mm. God, that was the cover of that was Vanessa Carlton and Adam Duritz from the Counting Crows. Counting Crows correct? guy. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. God damn. God damn. The peak. The peak of white culture. Right <laughs> oh yeah, just just really sucking all of the joy out of things. Um, you love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. Hey, speaking of things that people love to see, and by see I mean here. Oh boy. Mm. That's right. It's uh, it's time for Lucy's new segment. Please return your seats to their upright positions as we are coming in hot on another edition of Plainly Speaking. <laughs> it's Plainly Speaking. Hadn't heard that one yet. No, it's Lucy's Plain Chat. You do that yourself? It was nice. It was of course, nice. I do it all it's myself. Pleasant. In-house production. Ugh. I, had to, um, I had to look up all, all the different uh, tracks of like that people have of like 10-hour soothing cabin noise on youtube and shit so good love it <laughs> love to fall asleep to cabin sounds oh i wish i could fall asleep in a plane i'm not great at it it's not uh, ideal just uh, and I f- I feel like being prescription medication and you will fall asleep like a dream you, you know, gotta do it i wish i wish i'll solve this problem by just not going on planes perfect but uh, because what are the things that can happen when you do go on a plane, Lucy? What can happen? I don't want to even start on what could happen. <laughs> what can happen when you don't wear your seatbelt is you can be on a plane, an Air Canada plane headed to Australia from, I think it was Vancouver, and you can hit really bad turbulence and 35 people can suffer minor injuries from hitting the roof. Have you ever seen a video of that happening? It's really upsetting. There was one that happened on a Qantas flight. Uh, this is like 10 years ago or something with the same era that the Boeing Max had with an angle of attack and the plane just dropped really quickly and all these people just smashed their heads into the overhead bins. Very oh, upsetting. God. <laughs> yeah, it's wild when you see it happen. It's like um, everybody suddenly goes into zero gravity and just flies straight upwards. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I believe, how they do, like, um, I think that's how they film, like, a, a bunch of zero-gravity type stuff. Oh, they do one of those planes that just does the, uh, the up-and-down stuff? Yeah, where they're, like, like... Yeah, didn't Richard Branson have, like, a fake space flight, like a zero-gravity thing a while ago that was insanely those, expensive? Yep. Those things still run. They're, um, oh. They still go. Uh, Stephen Hawking did one one time. There's photos of him floating through quote-unquote space. Crazy. Hmm. Anyways, Um, you should always wear your seatbelt on the plane. This is what you need to take from this. You don't don't just have to have your seat... Mm. You don't have to piss. There's no... Just stay in the seat. There's no reason to. Just hold it all in. Get, like, really sore bladder going on. So, the the unofficial nickname for this type of plane is a vomit comet. Vomit Mm. comet? Okay. Vomit comet, which is a reduced gravity aircraft... Um, so, it's a kind of fixed-wing aircraft that provides brief, near-weightless environments for training astronauts, conducting research, and making gravity-free movie shots. Hmm. Um, so, basically, it just does, like, a, a, a massive peak and comes right down, and the whole time it's coming down at a very specific angle, you are essentially floating gravity-free inside the cabin. So, they just uh, got this experience for free. Flight. For, um... For there's one company here that offers for five thousand four hundred dollars US plus five percent tax because obviously they couldn't just do that math themselves. Um, mm-hmm. You get fifteen parabolic maneuvers creating twenty to thirty seconds of microgravity each. Ooh, that's a lot of microgravity. 
you could uh, book a private section for $55,000 plus 5% tax where you get the section to yourself or you could get the whole flight uh, for the low, low cost of $165,000 plus what 5% a tax. bargain. Look, it's too much money because 30 seconds isn't long enough to jack off. So, what am I even on there for? That's exactly... They Actually, they have the technology to do longer things, but they know that people will just jack off at them. <laughs> and then they got to get it out of all the nooks and crannies of the plane. Well, it's, you know? it really does go everywhere. you gotta, you got to hose that whole bad boy out afterwards, you know? And that's no good. Nobody wants that job. Well, there are definitely people that Somebody do, would but want that job. you don't want to hire those people <laughs> to do that job. Hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, Lucy, you were saying that was well, that was that was just the good plain news of the week. <laughs> I um I spotted this one from from slightly earlier this month, which was about people in Adelaide freaking out um, about a plane and a helicopter flying way too close to each other and circling the CBD in Adelaide. Oh. Okay. Um, so all, all these people were like, uh, I think either that these two aircraft seem to be tethered together or that they're going to crash into each other. Uh, we've got somebody posting on social media. Did anybody in Adelaide just see a plane circling the city being chased by a helicopter? Other people were posting pictures of the flight map that they would pulled up. Um, I just saw the weirdest thing in the Adelaide airspace and it's like these t- two the helicopter in a plane just doing weird laps around the city. ABC Radio Adelaide also received text messages from concerned listeners who wanted an explanation. Uh, There's a helicopter chasing a small plane over the city. Is this normal? One person texted in. Another suggested the plane was tethered to the helicopter. We have called the Adelaide Airport, we've called Air Services Australia, and we've called the South Australia Police, but no one seems to have any information about it, ABC Radio Adelaide presenter Sonia Feldhoff told listeners. ABC reporter Angelique Donnellan witnessed the plane and helicopter on Wednesday morning at Grange. It was very eye-catching. I thought it was peculiar. They looked very close. It crossed my mind what was going on. I'd never seen anything like this before. Uh, It turns out it was the police doing a publicity shoot. A police publicity exercise has inadvertently triggered fears of an unfolding mid-air emergency. So, basically, they were just doing a photo shoot. (laughs) Okay. Cool. So, because they have a cool new South Australia police plane, um, all all decked out in its Blue Lives Matter regalia, mm-hmm. um, and they just wanted to get some rad photos of it. So they they flew a helicopter right next to this plane, very low and close to the <laughs> to the South Australia um, to the Adelaide CBD for quite a while, and freaked the shit out of everybody, and didn't tell anybody what they were doing. Um, and scared the shit out of everyone. So that's cool. Nice. I respect police have it. since reassured the public <laughs> that the plane was a police aircraft taking part in a photo shoot. You love to reassure people after the fact that nobody's going to get killed. Uh, a photo shoot featuring the recently refurbished South Australia Police Pla- Ooh, Pilatus PC-12 uh, took place over Adelaide today, police said. In a statement released several hours after the plane was first spotted, the police said the aerial photographs featured the aircraft's new livery and will be used in corporate publications. <sighs> Good job, everybody. Um, Good job, Adelaide. The aircraft, and now the, I don't believe this part at all, uh, the aircraft owned by South Australia Police and used to convey police and prisoners across the state was refurbished as part of their scheduled maintenance, police said. The flight took place as part of normal operations and no additional costs were incurred. Mm. Hmm. I don't believe that at all. Because just- also there was a helicopter there specifically for taking photos of it and you just flew around in circles and then went back to the airport? Maybe they found the fuel. On the side of the road or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and they got it for free. Oh, you got to get it from somewhere, you know? Maybe they siphoned it cheap. out of someone else's Maybe. Uh, plane. Just stole someone's helicopter fuel. Yeah, just a, a cop sucking on a hose at the side. <laughs> trying to get it out of there. Great stuff. Um, so, I think just after this, Lucy and I are going to hop on over and record uh, an episode of our of our show for the for the patreon listeners a bonus episode if you will um and we're going to do a special type of episode that the listeners love which is 
Paging Dr. Lucy, in which we take relationship advice questions. Um, we also read the most horrifying re- uh, posts from the Reddit relationships subreddit. Um, and there's a question here that I thought it would be worth taking on this episode while we have Ben with us. Uh, it is from friend of the show, Justin McCulloch. Um, Hi, Dr. Lucy. I've recently fallen for a pretend cowboy who also happens to give relationship advice. Mm. As a relationship <laughs> expert, what do you suggest to winning over? <laughs> what do you suggest to winning over other relationship experts? Guess Ben will have to answer this one. Wow. Um, <laughs> I know for a fact that uh, pretend cowboys love being sent money. Oh. Yeah, that's like the 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 key way to get to their heart is just big bundles of cash, uh, weed. Um, uh, that'll yeah, that's a great way to kindle a romance there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were so inclined to try, uh, pretend cowboys love it when you buy them a beer at the pub. Oh, they love that. They love mm. that so much. If you say, "Hey, don't worry about it. I got this one," they will say, "Thank you so much." I needed this. So those would, are two. Would they not have said it in a slightly more cowboyish affect? No, it's a pretend cowboy. That's oh. yeah. You don't. So that's one of the the crucial things here. Not a real cowboy. So when they're off the clock, they're just absolutely yeah. If I'm not getting uh, if I'm not getting paid, I'm not a cowboy. <laughs> that classic expression. <laughs> um, now, Ben, this is probably a good opportunity for you to explain what this question is all about and um, solicit further letters for yourself. Yeah, actually, that that would be nice because uh, I'm getting some horrible questions, I'm not going to lie. Uh, so, you know that thing where you think of a name for something before you think of what to do with that name, like a, the concept? Mm-hmm. Uh, put, putting the horse before the cart, if you will. Yeah. Uh, well, we definitely had a case of that um, we would just thought it would be funny to call something rootin' and tootin'. Uh, <laughs> and then we were like, well, what can that be? And I was like, it should be a cowboy that gives sex and dating and relationship and life advice generally. Uh, and we should do it as a weekly column. And then my boss was like, oh, fine. Sold. <laughs> to your job now. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to be trying to do that. I think the first one did all right for us and then I'll do another one next week or whatever. But the point is, uh, if you have a uh, a, a real, actual, uh, you know, things you've got going on in your life that you'd like some advice on, um, but it just so happens that that reply comes from an old-timey cowboy from the American West in the late 1800s, uh, and you're fine with that, you can send any sort of question you got through to askacowboy at pedestrian.tv, uh, and it may or may not get a response yeah uh and of course if you are more comfortable with having your question answered by a pretend lady doctor <laughs> uh you can send your other relationship questions to hey you guys at puntavista.com or you can sign up for our patreon five bucks a month Get to the bonus episodes, you get to send in questions to the mailbag, you get access to the Discord, you get almost 200 episodes of content. Wowzers. That's a lot of content. That's so much. Hundreds of hours of bullshit that you could be piping into your sweaty ear holes. You know? Why are they so sweaty? Maybe you should see a pretend doctor about that. We've got plenty of those. At least one. Pretend doctors coming out the wazoo over here. So, if that floats your boat, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Punta Vista and uh, get on down. On down with the sickness. It's a doctor doctor kind of joke, you know? Let's just, let's end the the show now. (laughs) Let's wrap it up? Okay. Mm. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.